Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode 297, recorded April 14th, 2019. Inching ever closer to that episode 300. Yes, yes, and it seems so close, it almost seems like it's happened already. I'm not sure. Right, so, uh, yeah, so that should be fun. It will still, be. Still that's quite fun. an achievement. That's, that's a milestone. Hey, I'm going to ring our bell. That's nice. Ping! So, uh, yeah, so today we're going to finish off the Star Trek Transformers crossover. It's a crossover with the animated series with the uh, Generation 1 1980s uh, Star Trek I mean, uh, Transformers animated series, so... Right. Um, just, just like last week. Yeah. But it's still kind of weird or that last it's, time, it's a 70s say. cartoon mixing over with an 80s cartoon. True. But somehow it works. Well, and they've crossed universes, right? So they, they, they've never been in each other's uh, histories or never been mentioned. So, uh, And you would think that somewhere along the line all the Star Trek has happened, if there were giant robots walking around Earth... You might have heard about it. Right, right. Yep, you think that that would make news. Exactly. So, they're, again, bringing two different dimensions together. Yay. But I never watched the Michael Bay movies, uh, the Transformer movies. Do Are the Transformers pretty universally known in those universes? You never saw the movies. Really? I've seen the first one, that's it. Yeah, I saw the first one, that's it, too. I, n- I never saw the <laughs> other ones. It was not very good, and, and the second one looked horrible, so I gave up. My wife and kids really enjoyed the first one, and they were advocates. And I saw it, and eh, eh. Anyway, um, so they, they they liked it, but I, I, I never got it. I, I, I don't get this. Mm. But, but I was not in the youthful age range to see this as, as a kid. So right. This was not. This was not. It's. It's like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. You know, it, it never really uh, made uh, a place in my heart. So. Well, it did mine. I love the Transformers, and I think watching that first movie just kind of like, oh, it's not. It. This is not for my Transformers, so I never gave it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But the new one, the the Bumblebee one, uh, looks like it might be more my Transformers. I need to get around to watching that. Cool. Cool. But uh, but anyways, uh, so um, we're only doing these two issues today, four and five. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not doing a third issue like we normally do, um, right. you know, where we usually sneak in a gold key or something. But right. So theoretically, it should be a relatively short episode. Right. Especially since I don't have a huge amount of commentary uh, for these two comics, personally. Same here. Same okay. Here. They're both they're both good, and it's a nice little mini series and. I like that they use the animated series mm-hmm. in something. That was great to see that. I mean, we keep on talking about, well, all these years, you know, why don't they have an Enterprise uh, comic or something? But we, I don't think we've ever... Have we ever commented on saying, uh, boy, I sure wish there was a Star Trek animated series comic. 
Uh, no, never have. <laughs> but a lot of the characters from the animated series have made it into the IDW um, year four, and mm-hmm. the DC volume two series had uh, RX and Morass and everybody back in it. So. Yeah. That made sense. So it kind of feels like they've been part of uh, the greater Star Trek universe. There you go. Well, And this series of five issues is where we get not only the characters, but how they looked in the, uh, in the original series. And maybe some storyline tropes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want All to right. get those in there. Should we just jump into it then, Ken? Let's do it. All right. So this is uh, issue number four. Uh, written by John Barber and Mike Johnson, art by Philip Murphy, colors by Josh Burcham, letters by Christina Meisner, edits by Chase Morotes and David Moret. There are three covers. The first one is by Philip Murphy, and this shows like the Enterprise zooming towards us, and uh, it does have a um, Autobot logo on the on the hull. Uh, and then behind the Enterprise, we see uh, Optimus Prime opening his chest, revealing the Prime Matrix inside. So maybe uh, he's going to pass leadership over to this uh, Enterprise, or at least that's what the picture depicts. Uh, issue number, or I'm sorry, the second cover is by Priscilla Tarminato. And it shows the Star Trek crew on the bridge looking at the view screen. And the view screen is filled with Optimus Prime, like he's peeking into the the tiny little bridge. And then the third cover by George Castotis. um, It shows uh, just Bumblebee and in his hand, cradling cradling her like a little baby, is Maress, the cat lady. So the story starts uh, where the last one ended, where there's a big battle between the Autobots and the Decepticons there on the mining planet, with uh, Fortress Tiberius being controlled by Kirk, uh, fighting it out with the dinosaur form of Trypticon, and they are the center stage of this giant battle. Uh, Kirk is straining to maintain control of the giant robot form of the Enterprise, but he is able to get the advantage over the huge Decepticon more times than not. All around, these two Titans are smaller little battles with planes and cars darting around, trading blows between each other uh, wherever they can. The Autobot RC, Spock, McCoy, and several of the miners are beamed into Tiberius. And then through the comm stations, Spock and Kirk discuss the Starfleet mandate about killing intelligent life. Uh, when Kirk acts like he might go ahead and kill the giant dinosaur robot. Starscream uses the chaos of the battle to sneak away and steal a bunch of dilithium. He then transforms back into a plane, cloaks, and departs the planet as soon as Megatron learns that he went rogue. Optimus Prime and Megatron then fight using energy axe and an energy swinging mace ball uh, that replace each of their right hands. Optimus is still weak from the damage he took several issues ago, and he goes down pretty easy. Fortress Tiberius then takes a big hit from some fire breath from uh, Trypticon, but Kirk is able to hit the dinosaur enough that it then transforms into a Klingon battleship and starts to retreat. The remaining Decepticons are beamed away, and they race off-planet. The stranded Klingons 
that were left behind uh, ask that they would rather be killed than become POWs of Starfleet. But Spock refuses. Kirk states that his scans show that the Decepticons are heading towards Klingon space. The Starfleet crew then debate on whether they should bother helping the Klingons, you know, because enemies killing enemies doesn't sound too terribly bad. But Optimus Prime cuts this short and says that he's going to help the natives uh, regardless of any prime directive because he will not allow fellow Cybertronians to destroy another planet. Fortress Tiberius then transforms back into the Enterprise shape and he beams over all of the Starfleeters and the Autobots on board and they head into space where the real Enterprise is. The Enterprise is still in orbit and badly damaged. The Autobots and Scotty beam over and they start working on the repairs. Meanwhile, Starscream arrives on Kronos where he sees a whole planet for him to rule all by himself. To be continued. Yeah, so that final shot of what, Starscream, is that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah. Um, looking on Kronos and getting ready to take over, um, that just reminded me a little bit of uh, Best of Both Worlds, end of the first uh, part one. You know, when they were, or was that, uh, oh, actually, I was, yeah, so where they see the big crater in the ground? Oh, right. Where, right, the, right. where the whole city was scooped out? It just, it was just like, that foreboding of the of the bad guy being there. Of course, uh, this is only one Autobot or uh, Decepticon. It's only one okay. Decepticon. So at this point, I was like, like, okay, well, how the heck is one Decepticon going to take over a whole planet populated with uh, lots of little people? Right. Compared to him, I just I didn't know how that was going to happen. So, uh, well, I mean, my, my my feeling of foreboding was a little bit lighter than uh, than I had when watching Best of Both Worlds. Right. Well, I mean, uh, he sees these uh, as ants, so we're usually able to take out a colony of ants pretty easy, so. Yeah, well. But I guess ants don't have uh, disruptors. disruptors <laughs> and spaceships <laughs> <laughs> uh, that have disruptors. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, now, they were trying to justify. Now, what? So, were they saying that. He grabbed all those dilithium crystals out of the mining facility, and he put them in him, and that somehow was giving him more power? Yeah, that he Is that what they were trying to say? Right. Huh. Okay. But then, it looks like when he transforms to get away from Megatron, uh, they they show a little box of dilithium crystals kind of there, so I was unclear as to whether he dropped them or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't, none of the dialogue boxes say. It just shows him cloaking and Megatron kind of shooting at him. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe that's just supposed to be tractor beamed. I don't know. It's kind of confusing. Oh, he brought him with him by, via a tractor beam? I don't know. There's a little box of dilithium crystals. Right. And I, yeah. I, at first I thought maybe Starscream was having to drop them. But maybe he's just taking them with him. Right. Well, okay. So... This, this is just a light a light uh, little story, so you shouldn't criticize anything too much. Sure. But uh, dilithium crystals in themselves are not a source of power. It's a way to channel the power that comes from the anti-matter-antimatter explosions. So right. without and These guys that, are used to eating energon, 
Energon. So they, okay. So maybe if they eat the dilithium, then That's whatever like energon? En- energon they still have inside of them becomes greater. Uh, okay. So energon is that supposed to be a mineral or something? I don't know. It, usually in the cartoon, it showed it in boxes like this, except oh, the box would gotcha. be completely filled with this glowing substance. And okay. Uh, depending on the episode, it would show them drinking it or kind of absorbing it or whatever. But it it was okay. always what the, they were fighting over. Okay, so dilithium. Okay, so that makes more sense, I guess. They were trying to use dilithium crystals as a uh, substitute for that. Okay, right. well, that makes more sense, I guess. Yeah, sure. As much as any of this makes sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> my thing is, another thing is, is that uh, what what I could never understand is I get that Kirk. They read Kirk's brain and all that stuff to create Fortress Tiberius, Fortress Tiberius which mm-hmm. looks awesome and it, and it needed to happen. <laughs> but isn't Fortress Tiberius or isn't Fortress Maximus a sentient Autobot like uh, the Trypticon is? So once they have him, I thought it was. Once he's scanned it all in, why would Kirk still need to control it? That's what I never, I could never understand. But yeah, where's well, Fortress Maximus's personality? Consciousness and stuff. I don't right. know. Good question. Good question. They had to have Kirk do something. So, yeah. And then is, so is, are you saying that in the Trypticon, uh, there's a Klingon there straining because he's, when it changes into the No, I the don't D7? think so. Well, they yeah, never showed so. us that. No, why would it? That doesn't make sense. I know. Well. Just an, add it to the to the box of mysteries. Mm, mm. Mm. And when uh, the Trypticon changes to the D7, that's, oh, yeah. that, that's also something <laughs> I don't like. Cause, and it's what I don't like about the Michael Bay movies, too, is that as cheesy as it sounds, I like it when the robot form still looks like you could tell that, oh, that used to be a truck. Yeah, at least you can <laughs> see parts that make right. sense. So when it goes from strict 100% dinosaur to 100% perfect... Uh, D seven. Uh, D seven. I'm yeah. like, that doesn't make sense. Well, where and was the where was the little tiny neck? Exactly. Exactly. And and what do you see the uh, when you first see the D seven? As you're saying, it's fully formed, and then it's got this gray metal bits coming out the backside. Or is that supposed to be over time? I think it's supposed to sh- be showing it transform. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense because this having this fully formed D seven with this gray colored uh, stuff coming out of its butt <laughs> is kind of no. Weird. That's just showing how it goes from like a, a yeah. giant purple dinosaur to a a gray D seven. <laughs> right, <laughs> and I completely agree with you. Uh, it make no, <laughs> they, they they have nothing to do with each other. Well, okay, so so the tra- tra- Trepticon? Is that yeah. tri- okay. Trypticon? Trypticon. So Trypticon was an existing uh, Transformer, right? Right, right. He went okay. from like a plane to a dinosaur kind of thing. Okay. Not a plane, but, you know... A, some kind a, of... Some sort of futuristic aircraft carrier looking thing. Aircraft carrier. Okay, so, uh, so that... Yeah. So that kind of makes sense why it'd be more difficult for it to look like the D7, but still... Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't like that. Now, definitely, as far as the Enterprise is concerned, at least you got two nacelles coming out of his back, um, and you. I mean, the whole chest. I mean, that's that's the top of the saucer section. So that makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I really wish they would make an action figure of this. I would totally buy it. <laughs> 
I'm sure someone somewhere might. Uh, it's amazing what you can get made um, in the factories of Asia. But yep. I did see. I see. I did see that Transformers was coming out with a. Oh, it was a, a Ecto One Ghost uh, Transformer was coming out. So the. Uh, oh, what, the uh, the Ghostbusters, the Ghostbusters? Ecto One, yeah. Uh, hearse or what? Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I saw they were, they announced that at uh, right before Toy Fair or something like that. So. Oh, that's kind of cool. So yeah, when I read that, I was like, "Oh man, maybe they're gonna do the Enterprise too." But I I never found anything saying they were doing that one. So I think that would be hard to do, though. Yeah, looking at this picture, I'm like, "Boy, that would be the legs is what gets me. Where do yeah. those come from?" Yeah, I mean, if it was just um, Fortress Tiberius and didn't have to change into the Enterprise, then sure, no problem. Right. But actually getting the mechanism and everything to work, yeah, that that'd be tough. So. So anyway, so what'd you think about the uh, the fight between Optimus Prime and Megatron? Uh, well, With the you know, it's Energy like, Axe and Mace or whatever. Well, okay, so the Energy Axe and the Mace, for the most part, I see that in like shadows, like little shadows that are inset. But aren't they Oh, yeah, there's the Mace also. Yeah, no, they're just oh. their their hand would disappear and then it would return. It oh, would right, be replaced right, 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 right. with this there, there like, lightsaber looking thing. There it is. There it is. Yeah, uh, I I had to go back a page. Um, I thought it was more interesting than just having them hit each other, but um, but in the end, nothing ever happens to these things. No, I mean they just fight each other and and do they ever show battle damage? I mean, yeah. I guess maybe. But I don't see any battle damage. They're throwing. No, the only battle damage that they ever show is the phaser that cracked Optimus Prime's chest. Right. In the in the first issue. Right. And of course, in the comic books, I mean, they're they're whomping on each other all the time. But you do you ever really see any damage? No. No, it's it, it's it's a kids' cartoon. Plus, being in, in it because it's a kids' cartoon, drawing battle damage would make it much more expensive. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> the same reason why the original the original animated series of Star Trek had uh, force field spacesuits. Yes, because that was cheaper than drawing yeah. a spacesuit. Yeah, drawing a glowing line around the figures was a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> there was a little spot in in the book in the issue where they had the Spock talking on a com panel, mm-hmm. okay. and yeah. And I thought that was just so cool because it was so accurate. I mean, that is it. They drew it exactly right. Not that it's that complicated, but they drew it spot on. And I, I just, I have one of those in my office, and I just really like it. The com panel. The com panel. You know, the red com panel with the little switches and stuff. And, <laughs> and, and, Do you really? And, and makes. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Do you have pretty... it attached to your wall? It's attached it's like, to my my computer hutch. Ah, uh, nice. There you it is. That? Do you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's funny. That's cute. So I got it from Think Geek, which they do a lot of little things like that, you know, and it's just great. So that if anybody wanted a uh, com panel for their for their home, maybe to put uh, several around the house on walls, uh, Think Geek place to get. Do, the, do they actually work? Because that, I would want it to actually work. <laughs> 
so you can talk to other people and yell. Well, okay, it doesn't do that, but uh, it does have a little motion detector, so that when you come, you can if you position it correctly, when you come into a room, it'll go whoosh. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. The sound of the doors. <laughs> All right, that's pretty cool. Uh, or you can set it that it does. Uh, it's like an alarm. So if somebody comes into the room, uh, if you set it, then you leave, and then somebody comes into the room and it detects it, it'll it'll do the the Star Trek emergency sound, red alert, klaxons. Oh, that's pretty awesome. It's per- it's perfect. What else could you want? Anyway, <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I, when they do go to Kronos, I notice they depicted it as a green-colored world. Okay. Yeah, that's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they at some point they started depicting it as a green world, and then pretty much everybody's going by that. Although when you land, it looks gray. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look green. But from Earth, uh, the sky... Well, actually, the sky is blue. Hmm, I don't know, whatever. So, uh, Oryx is in this a little bit, but not too terribly much. No. And actually, I think, is it the next one he's in it a bit more? Uh, well, I think, yeah, they show the Enterprise a little bit more. He's always right. on there. So, I do have a little bit of an Oryx story that, that happened in between the time we recorded last week to this week. Oh, okay. Do tell. So, uh, at Dave & Buster's, they have this VR oh. uh, Star Trek right. ride slash game thing. Right. And uh, while I was doing it, I looked over, because you're kind of like setting in like a little... It's a virtual reality kind of thing, ...shuttle right? bay type thing, yeah. Okay. But then you're kind of like look around, and it looks like you're kind of on a bridge. And then I looked over there, and I think they had Oryx there at one of the comm stations. Cool. So and he's wearing a, the JJ Universe uh, uniforms and stuff. So it was just like, hey, it's, it's the the Kelvin Rx. Well, exactly. There you go. So that I, I saw that in Gave and Buster's, but I did not take part in it. Um, so people just got onto what looks like like four or five ch- seats across, mm-hmm. or in right. across, and then you put the virtual reality headset gear on, I guess. Right. And uh, and you're able to look around and you see other people that are sitting next to you, but as different characters. Yeah, it's quite funny because because uh, my whole family was there and, and I would like look to my right and I knew it was my wife and we wrote it twice. The first time she looked like a, 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 a woman Andorian ah. and my son was on my left and he was. Uh, a human woman. <laughs> so I was kind of like laughing. Hi, you're a girl. Uh, but then I would look at my wife, who was a, a woman Andorian, and it, and I could talk to her and stuff, and it looked like she was looking up, talking to me. It was uh-huh. it was kind of cool. And then the second time, I looked at my son, and he was again a girl, uh, a human woman. And then I looked over there, and I, it was like the back of the Andorian's head. And then when she turned around, it was a, a male. And it was really, for whatever reason, it was really offsetting that it was just like, what? hey, you're, you're. Okay, so that's in one play of the game. Uh, we the... played it. We played it through twice. Oh, okay. So between between playing the game twice, they, uh, they your wife switched from a yeah. from a girl Andorian to a male Andorian. Ah, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I and I and I was a, a male. Well, I, you can't see yourself, no, so I don't know but... exactly what it looked like. It looked like I was wearing a blue tunic and, uh, and and pants, so that's why I assumed I was a man. 
But then the second time I was wearing the mini skirt, so I, I don't know. I'm assuming I was a human. I'll have to ask my family. They never they never did tell me. All they said was I was a woman. So uh, I don't know if I was a a Vulcan or or what. So, but it was kind of weird looking down at your legs. And so you were hot with a mini skirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. Good. For but it's kind of cool because uh, Zachary Quinto was in it. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Cool. Get to fly around the Enterprise, the the Kelvin unit, the Enterprise. Yeah, it's kind of cool because you go through the nacelles and stuff, and you're like, you just look around, like, oh, I'm right next to the Enterprise. It was pretty cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, a lot like a Star Trek bridge crew, except the Star Trek bridge crew, you know, you really only leave the, you don't ever leave the bridge here. Right. You were in like a little tiny shuttle that could maneuver between Klingon ships and asteroids and the Enterprise itself. Yeah. So, but like that. You can play with other people over the internet, right? Sure, sure. And uh, and they look like characters, right? Uh, not themselves, but they're not right in your face, like right. Like it was weird because the my wife was I could touch her and I and because we were that close, you know, uh-huh. cause we were just sitting right next to each other, mm-hmm. and she, you know she's looking up at me, I'm looking down at her, we're talking to each other, but it's like talking to. It was like talking to a. A different person, though. It, it was weird. I've, I've Usually when you do VR, you're kind of all by yourself. So this was the first time I was sitting next to somebody, and we were both wearing it and cool. looking I have at to each try other that. differently. Yeah. I have to try that. Definitely worth it. And it was it was a fun little story. Good. The, uh, the, they also had a Jurassic Park one, which was fun, but it didn't have that – you couldn't look at the person next to you kind of thing. It mm. was kind of like they were there, but it was really just you kind of thing. Right. Uh, so definitely the Star Trek one was was kind of better in that regards. Cool, but you should do both. And that's it's it. Both. Dave and Buster's, and was it called Remnant? Star Trek Remnant or something? Dark, Dark Remnant. Dark Remnant. Okay. Yeah. And then I don't remember what the Jurassic World one was called. Yeah. yeah, doesn't def- matter. Definitely worth the playthrough. Good. But back right. to this story. Back the last this. the last thing I just want to point out is it's a minor thing, but um, I kind of like. How in the end it's uh, Kirk as Fortress Tiberius controlling Fortress Tiberius, and he's into a two-fisted knockdown dragout fight, which is so Kirk uh, with uh, Trypticon, a dinosaur, the, di- the Godzilla dinosaur, whatever. Uh, the only thing missing was a torn tunic. <laughs> they should have done that. They should have somehow had a torn tunic worked into the hull. Of uh, Tiberius, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I and again like before, I like that they called it Tiberius Fortress Tiberius, right? Instead yeah. of Fortress Kirk, eh. Tiberius, that's got some zing to it. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, the writers, whoever came up with that, uh, was that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, I have nothing else to say on this one. Yeah, all right. Let's see how it all wraps up. Okay, so this is issue five. And this is the the battle to end all battles. So yes, they're going to try something different in this issue. They're going to have uh, robots fighting each other with uh, uh, Star Trek folks sprinkled in. So there you go, something different. Okay, number five. This one was published uh, January 2019. A creative team. I think everything's pretty, probably pretty much the same. Uh, sometimes the colorist changes. Josh Josh uh, Burcham is the color colorist for this one. And uh, Krista, Krista Meissner, I think she's been in the past, uh, the letterer for this one. Everybody else is the same. 
three covers on this one. We've got uh, the first one that does feature the all-out battle between the Decepticons and the Autobots, and it includes a uh, huge Enterprise Autobot, of course, the same one we've been seeing, and uh, the Enterprise, uh, the normal Enterprise, with phasers firing, and there's just a lot of stuff going on, a lot of, whee, a lot of, a lot of fights, a lot of Autobots and things like that. Covers by Philip Murphy. Cover B features a huge Godzilla-like Decepticon leveling its mouth flamethrowers at a tiny Enterprise well within range of a hot time. Covers by Josh Burkham. Probably Burkham. The Retailer Incentive variant cover, the third one, shows a landscape, landscape of rubble in which Spock and MRS are unconscious and Kirk is trying to get up with cuts and, of course, a torn shirt. Megatron is standing over them all, ready to land the death blow. Cover is by Chris Panda. In orbit around Cygnus 7, two nearly identical-looking Enterprises lick their wounds and make plans to save the Klingon homeworld from a Decepticon threat. Kirk, commanding what is actually Fortress Tiberius, an Autobot, wants to enter Klingon space and make a beeline for the Decepticons. Spock and others want to take a less direct and less dangerous approach, particularly given the battle damage that the real Enterprise has recently suffered. Back and forth between the two Enterprises, they discuss how the Prime Directive plays into this situation. Optimus pretty much ends the discussion by giving Prime's Directive... He and the Autobots will go alone, if necessary, to avoid leaving the Klingons to Starscream and the others. Scene cuts to Kronos, where Starscream introduces himself during a Klingon High Council meeting and attempts to set himself up as their ruler after shooting a few counselors. The Klingons shoot back as the Decepticons arrive to bring Starscream to heal. Greatly outnumbered, Starscream is quickly conquered by Megatron and the others. Megatron sets himself up as the new ruler of Kronos, just as the Autobots arrive in a two-page spread. Does anyone detect a pattern here? Here is some back and forth about who will defeat who. Then Kirk beams Commander Curry out of the Enterprise brig and onto Kronos. Curry says Megatron betrayed him, and as long as a Klingon heart still beats, Megatron will never rule Kronos. Megatron says very well and orders the Decepticons to kill everyone. Full war breaks out, and in the skirmish we see Big Spock and Scotty Transformers that are more like fighting mechs, since Scotty and Spock are seated in the mech's chests and they're like driving them. Mares and Sulu are also in mechs, and Sulu has some kind of claw on his mech hand that he uses like a fencing sword. Megatron orders Soundwave to use his ultrasonic sound weapon that incapacitates the Autobots and Enterprise crew. However, Commander Curry walks up to Megatron and tells him the sound waves have no effect on Klingon ears and orders a fleet of Klingon ships to decloak and attack. The ships' massed armaments firing on the Decepticons defeat them. 
Later, with Megatron and the other Decepticons imprisoned by the Klingons in formidable-looking metal restraint devices, Kirk hesitantly leaves them for their return trip to Earth. Optimus Prime turns down Kirk's offer to come to Earth, saying their destiny is elsewhere. But Optimus Prime does tell Kirk, if they ever need their help, just open hailing frequencies and ask. Kirk says, will do, and the two Enterprises part company in opposite directions. The end. How about that for excitement? That was pretty exciting. Ooh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you didn't like it. Oh, it, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. Uh, it's like, yeah, well, come on. How, you got a bunch of, you got a fleet of warships. What, you know? Yeah. So I, I was happy that came into play. So did the Klingons get to keep just Megatron or all of them? I th- I thought he kept all of them, but. But they they show Megatron, only, right. I, yeah. They only show Megatron in the uh, metal restraints, and he's like crying. <laughs> oh, can you see his eyes? I can't see his yeah, eyes. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Oh, close no, up, and it right. looks like he's crying. You're right. There's there, what looks like liquid is coming out on the left cheek. Oh, right. Megatron. Yeah, it seems weird. I don't think Megatron's a crier. <laughs> he's a big baby. He's just a big baby. <laughs> Just a big evil baby. Oh, that's funny. And and they've got his uh, what his his scope, his gun scope, mm-hmm. sitting like in a separate kind of holder. Right. It's, I mean, that's just that's just a sighting scope, right? Or does? Well, no. I think that's actually that's a cannon. It's a cannon. Oh, yeah. That's funny. It's it's a scope. It's a sighting scope. That's funny. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, they got he him. Could, they he got him turn himself really small, so I think he could get out of this because he has size manipulation when he transforms into the little Ooh, tiny gun. Perhaps that is what will happen in the, the sequel if they make one. You think they will? No, oh, I. Come on, they set it up for a sequel. I mean, you can see the Klingon saying, "Hey, you know, is there any way we can use this big thing's tech to help us to uh, overcome the Federation and take their right. land?" You can see that coming. Right, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if this one is good enough to warrant a sequel. Oh, I, I'm not saying this. This is a sequel is justified. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, if it happened, uh, that I can see that that line happening. Yeah. So so, anyways, um, with both of the enterprises uh, together, a lot of times Fortress mm-hmm. of Tiberius and the and the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, it really drives home what they kept saying in the first couple issues was that Fortress Tiberius is supposed to be a lot bigger than the Enterprise mm-hmm. because the Autobots can walk around in the bridge and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, where they can't do that in the regular Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, but, going back to it should be a lot bigger. Well, okay, but there are scenes on the bridge uh, of that where... Um, at the very least, what, what's the one that, that heals people, like 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 the doctor uh, or whatever? Ratchet. Ratchet. No. Yeah, Ratchet. Ratchet. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, Ratchet isn't that much bigger than the other human beings on the bridge, and it's like, uh, do they have size manipulation abilities too, no. or is Ratchet always small? Uh, he's he's normal. He's, he's probably normal. Size. Exactly, but not 
not in some of the scenes of the of these issues. Anyway, so so I, I I agree with you. It should be bigger, but it doesn't look any bigger. And but there's other scenes where they're like in the same place. Now at least I think I, I, issue three or two or something like that. There was a scene where um, where some Enterprise crew were beamed onto the ship, and then there was also an Autobot that was significantly bigger than the people, but still not. As big yeah, as that I was think when, of them. When RC and Spock and McCoy beamed over. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a, si- a bigger size difference there, but it still wasn't the full Autobot size, was it? Um, I don't know. Well, she's, she's like the smallest Autobot, so. Okay. Okay. Because she's yeah. like a motorcycle kind of thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, I mean, it would be hard to frame, frame uh, in one panel. An Autobot, a full-size Autobot, and a normal-sized human, if they're going to talk to each other, right? In a panel, so right. Okay. I'll give them a little bit of leeway, but I'm still saying the uh, the bridge and everything and the ship itself needs to be bigger, right? And maybe it's, it's just a perspective kind. Of, I mean, I mean, uh, so I'm looking at one where there's two Enterprises, and the one Enterprise could be further away, maybe. Uh, therefore, it not, you know, that that accounting. For the, yeah, actually, there's a, okay, so the two that they show the two ships together, one is further away than the other. Yeah. So, you know, perspective kind of thing, who knows? There there could be a bigger difference in size. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I, I thought it just, was just interesting that they, that the Autobots kept the look. Rather than reverting it back to the um, the original fortress look, right? Well, that way they can go and cause all kinds of mischief. Um, <laughs> I'm looking like an Enterprise, and everybody will blame the Enterprise. <laughs> why is this? Why is the Enterprise in Romulan space? <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, hey, hey we can now go up to warp seven, though. Look. Yeah. So don't they have warp drive? I mean, they got here from Earth, so. Yeah. They never, I mean... And they got from Cybertron to Earth, so uh, they they have faster-than-light drive already. Exactly. But their technology must be different, or they just call it something different. Right, right. All right, so let's talk about the the mechs. Um, (laughs) Was not a fan. Well, I was kind of surprised about that, and and they whipped it up so fast. I mean, did they actually say something about um, using replicators or something? Yeah, right. Which yeah. which helps to explain how they could whip this up so fast, but still. I mean, they're big. I mean, right. Well, they're big. I mean, you've got to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Decepticons, right? If you're going to bother with something like this. Right. Um, anywho. I mean, and if, you're, if you were going to build a mech, uh, would you want transparent aluminum there for your chest so that <laughs> everybody can see where you're at? No. No. But, uh, boy... Yeah, you. It's handy uh, because you can see them pretty right. easily. Um, what would you think of that Sulu claw that he's using like a sword? Yeah, yeah. It. I didn't really like it for it. I, I wish it would look more like a sword if that's what they were going. I for. agree. I agree. I, I. I mean, it looks like half of a lobster claw. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it looks like a. Yeah, I don't know what it's supposed to be. Oh, but see, it, look, it looks like a shovel. Uh, 
Yeah, a little bit. But look, I'm not sure if you're on the same page I am, but it's the one where he's unguarding. Right. And if you look at his left arm... It's like the elbow. It's So the pointy end is down by the elbow, so it looks like it... When you go to fight with it, it kind of pivots and extends out like a switchblade, kind of, sort of. Or maybe it's just, uh, maybe it just slides up like Wolverine claws. Uh, Maybe. And the part that's poking out of the elbow is the the part that stays on your hand. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, well, I kind of like that they thought through that design, but uh, still. But, okay, so so there is uh, Sulu taking a chunk out of whatever that Decepticon is. But we're probably not going to see a uh, see any uh, damage, right? Uh, so, oh, so that's okay. So that's Mres being attacked by the dog guy, right? Or the the, the dog Decepticon? Uh, where is that? Uh, same page. Oh, 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 yeah. Is that Mres? Yeah, she has the big long robot tail. Right. That makes sense. Okay, so she's not doing too well against the dog, and then the other one helps out. The Autobot help person, yeah, girl RC. helps out. There yeah. you go, RC. That's it. And uh, Scotty doesn't look like he's doing too well. Just you know, two fisted fighting. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Not not a big fan. And does the Spock one do anything? Um, I mean, he's just there, and then he just kind of disappears. Yep, yep. There he is. Yeah, they, they just show him the one time, and he's good. what is he? Acid. So he has acid going on him? Hmm. And the, but he, you never see him fighting. Right. They should have shown him do like a, a nerve pinch on <laughs> Shockwave or something. Oh, that would be great. It would make <laughs> absolutely no sense, but that would be great. <laughs> that would have been cool. Doing a Decepticon nerve pinch. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, overall, I liked it. Um I mean, the artwork, very consistent. It's a nice mesh between 70s and 80s Salmation. Mm-hmm. So right. I liked it. Yeah. I like the, uh, I like the joke uh, that Starscream makes uh, when he's, you know, when he's uh, crushing the counselors. <laughs> About the pointed blade? Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, awkward bladed weapons. <laughs> <laughs> like like bat lifts are awkward bladed weapons they're ridiculous and he makes a joke out of it right yeah like like what are you gonna do uh, attack me with awkward bladed weapons or something yeah I, I kind of like that he says I've crushed more high councils than Klingons have words for awkward bladed weapons oh well, there you go that's it that's that's <laughs> it I, I like that joke that's no, pretty funny <laughs> and I like that uh, the high council here the the guy he he has the receding hairline. You don't see that in Klingons very often unless they have the ridges. <laughs> right, because they got usually wigs on. Right, so uh, it's nice to see that the smooth-headed Klingons had uh, male bald- baldness, as humans do. Exactly. They know our struggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got almost a Picard uh, donut around the back. But he's got long hair in the back. He's got long hair, though. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes him cooler. And look at that beard. The <laughs> the the dark gray and the black, uh, like skunk kind of look. Anyway, <laughs> the reverse skunk beard. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's 
like I mentioned before, that I mean, there's a scene, uh, the opening bridge shot, where mm-hmm. Ratchet's only a little little bigger than McCoy. Yeah, no, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, which is very. Yeah. So the. Yeah. Well, anyway. Whatever. I always like that they named him Ratchet. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because it makes me think of uh, Nurse Ratchet from One oh. Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I kind of wonder if 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 it's just a coincidence or if they did that on purpose. And also, a ratchet's used to fix a car. But. Sure, sure. It's a tool, yeah. Um, well, actually, ratchet, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, I thought it was more along the the, the lines of the tool right. than the character in uh, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, but eh, who knows? He's the, he's the Dr. McCoy of the Autobots. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's what's kind of funny, because... I mean that that's it's it's a kid's thing. So focusing on mechanical kind of repair when these things are robots, they got to have sophisticated electronics in them and things like that to give them a brain or something. Right. Uh, not that they worry about that, but uh, they kind of focus on the just the mechanical repairing end of things when obviously there's probably a lot of soldering guns and things going on too. Right. Although I do think they self-repair uh, a good chunk of that the would time. Be, that would be handy. Yeah, they drink some Energon and then it, it self-repairs them. <laughs> okay, so then what is Ratchet's... I mean, he is the Dr. McCoy of the Autobots, yeah, right? right, exactly. So would, does he modify them or something? Or, well, I think, or does know, he? Like when they take severe damage, lot of, he has yeah. to fix them. Yeah. Okay, okay. Stick okay. their arms back on. Ah, there you go. Okay. You know. When a glass of Energon just isn't enough, that's when you got to call in Dr. Ratchet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and then if you're really in trouble, then you get Jazz, who was kind of the uh, the uh, mad scientist. Oh, okay. Who cool. could create life. I mean, he created the... He the created life? Stuff. Yeah, he created them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so that's the origin? Uh, wait a minute. He, he created the uh, Decepticons? Or no, he created the, the Dinobots. Oh, the Dinobots, huh? Yeah. Like the Triceratops thingy? Uh, no, it was different. Okay, okay, different, different ones. Different okay. Dinobots. Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> How are you not following this? Hard thing? to keep it's straight. So clear. There you go. No. Um, but yeah, uh, the uh, I don't know. I these are these are my um inter- uh, toys. You know, yeah. these are the toys that I grew up with. So right. I have. A soft spot for a lot of these pictures, even though cool. reading it now, I'm like, ah, boy, this is really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's go. the, you know, the the elementary schooler in me, like, yay, yeah, good. Because I grew up, because about the time I was in this, because I basically went from Transformers to Star Trek, so that was kind of like my two like things that I liked. I kind of mm-hmm. went, I was really into Star uh, Transformers, and then GI Joe, and then it was like Star Trek, right. So you know, these are my these are my transition uh, hobbies. There you go, cool. And uh, it kind of it, it's kind of science fictiony, the sure. uh, Transformers. So there you go, natural transition. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I don't have anything else to say except that it was a nice little. Uh, it was different. Uh, little five issues. Um, and I kind of enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, I just wish the ending was less vague. So where where did where did 
the Triptychon go? Because that's a huge fortress ship. You good, think that they wouldn't just let that one stay? I mean, it's bad enough they let Megatron stay, and maybe the other ones, but the Triptychon, that seems a little too dangerous. Yeah. Well, they kept it simple. They didn't want you to think too much about it. Right. But in the end, yes. So the Klingons have uh, a spaceship, uh, a Decepticon spaceship, basically. Exactly. To do something with. Yeah, go take over the Romulan Empire. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, they should totally do that. Now I kind of want a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, well, that's all I have. Anything else for you? No, I, I really don't have anything else to say uh, about the issue. So, um, I guess we'll be going back to doing some Discovery next episode? Yep, Discovery Insurrection 1 through 3. Nice, nice. It, or Insurrection or Succession? What is it? Uh, maybe, maybe it succession, is. Succession, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, the uh, I think it has to do with the Mirror Universe. Yes, cool. Which was a big player in Star Trek Discovery. There you go. Season 1. I still haven't watched season two yet, so I need to get around to doing that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Well, let's uh, wrap up and uh, meet back up next week to talk about that discovery. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.